in to episode 69 of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Summers. Alongside me, as always, James Cook, Jake Atnip. And we're going to keep the intro short and sweet on this week's episode because the highlight of the show, regardless of our other segments, uh, is going to be our sit-down with Great North Alpine skier and Elk Rapids uh, student, Finn Husband. Uh, He was excellent in the interview chair and uh i think you guys are all going to really enjoy that conversation that we had with him uh, we could just take the rest of the podcast off yeah yeah I we mean, could we could just skip forward to like the interview right now but we do have some fun stuff planned uh we're we're gonna do our first basketball draft of the year we're gonna uh, start with the boys basketball draft because they're gonna hit the playoffs uh, before the girls this year we'll do the girls prep fantasy draft in a couple of weeks that's what we're going to lead the show off with then of course we've got another rendition of the get around hall of fame where we will induct the latest member into the most exclusive club in northern michigan and then our trifecta isn't necessarily a new topic we're going to revisit uh last week's topic where we uh drafted our all-star nba all-star teams uh, thanks to the advice of one of our many audible viewers uh and we're gonna compare teams and how those players actually did in sunday night's all-star game real quick still not sure of the actual numbers but i know one of my players won mvp so i got a pretty good feeling about it i think that's one of our what our one of our discussion points is going to have to be is how many points is that mvp award worth because because when you when we compare the rest of the numbers there they might not be so close we'll (laughs) we'll see but uh, this episode of the Get Around Podcast brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City, Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. And without further ado, Mr. Jake Atnip, let's get into our second annual Prep Boys Basketball Fantasy Draft. Uh, rules of this draft are fairly straightforward. It's going to be a snake order. Uh, we have already figured out what that order will be. And we're only going to go six deep, so we'll have our starting five. We will have a sixth man, and, uh, of course, a number of good players are going to be left off our teams just because of the shallow depth that we're giving ourselves in this exercise, but it should be fun uh, as the regular season is uh, coming quickly to an end. I might have just forgot about you, too, so don't feel bad. Might have forgot. Oh, this is kind of thrown together a little bit. Well, no, I just, I got plenty of guys, but there's so many players in the area. If I forget you, so I mean, we only spent hours time. in this room figuring out what is going to happen on the podcast for the next several months, and then in the first week, we all forgot what it was supposed to be <laughs> until we got here. But there's only one. So list. there's we that. Haven't, we haven't distributed this list yet. It's true. I I should distribute. Trust. I haven't had a chance to type it up yet. With that said, let's get into our draft. I have the number one selection in this draft. As always. Not always. I went number two last time. I did. You're always number one. Phrasing. Yeah, I was just going to say it. I just say I went number two. <laughs> I selected number two last time. Uh, you'll, you'll get to tell me now if sitting uh, in the second spot in the draft kind of stinks because I didn't I didn't really like it last time I, I like being able to book in those picks uh, James had the number three pick and uh, as I said this will be snake draft order to uh, keep things fair and competitive uh, but with the number one pick 
in the second annual, the 2019 Prep Boys Basketball Fantasy Draft. God, I'm already having issues. (laughs) (laughs) I would be right right on this. I like being the number three, though, because... I'm, I'm gonna be happy with no matter who falls a three. Yeah, and you, you get, yeah, so yeah, you get. And then I have to make a decision. This, this, God, this yeah, this is this is brutal. This is brutal. Um, First there, overall in this draft really doesn't do you no it no because there, there's there's at least three guys if not well, see, there's yeah. at least three guys worthy of the number one overall pick. Uh, there's one A, one B, and one C. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with last week's guest and take Traverse City Central's Tobin Chwanke number one. Alrighty, moving into number two. I'm going to take the one who impressed me to an extreme amount last week against a very good McBain team. Out of Trio, out of Glen Lake, it's hard to choose uh, which one you would like to take first, but I am going to take Xander Okerlund. And James with three, let's see if... Uh, if, if At least we if, have an easy choice let's, of three. Let's yeah. see if the three that I was uh, so torn between for number one, if they're all off the board in the first three. Go ahead, James. Yep. Uh, yeah, number three is pretty easy for me. I'm going to take Reese Hazelton. Yeah, and there they go. Those were, yep. the, those were the three. And then turn right around at four, and I'm going to go with Blake Charbonneau from Gaylord. Front court, done. Yeah, he was definitely on my list, too. Uh, Jake, that means we're back to you at number five. I'm going to take one of the scoring leaders on a very good undefeated team in the Lake Michigan Conference in Danny Passano. All right, I'm going to grab two front court players, a pair of forwards here with number six and number seven. Just to break it up so that there's not uh, back-to-back from the same school, I'm going to take uh, Jack Hawkins, a uh, forward from Elk Rapids at number six, and then I'm going to turn right around and take Traverse City Central's Preston Briggs at number seven. I'm going to do Mel Kuyper and say, those were my two rated, highest-rated guys left on my board. <laughs> Excellent. All righty, so what is it, pick number eight? Yes, pick number eight for Jake, his third selection. I don't have the Mel Kuyper hair, though. Nobody wants that. Probably, no, nobody but Mel Kuyper wants that hair. You yeah, make it happen. I could, if, with some product, I could probably make it yeah, happen. A little fluff, a little hairspray, a little comb action. You just wish you could do some Mel Kuyper shit. Todd, 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 Todd. You'd have the perfect <laughs> hairline. You'd have the perfect <laughs> hairline if you had all the hair to do it. Todd, 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 Jake, 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 Jake. Whenever you hear the Todd, Todd, Todd thing, it always reminds me of that Geico commercial with the camera going, Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Alrighty, another high-scoring threat. Puts up double-doubles on a pretty regular basis. Uh, Bear Lakes, Trey Gilbert. Also uh, on my big board. Yeah, it'd be. He's a guy on my board. Yeah, he's been, uh, he's, been, uh, he's been put up for the Hall of Fame a few times, so definitely worthy of a spot on my team. James, number nine and number ten. Okay. This draft is flying by. Okay, I'm gonna go a little bit more on the periphery of our coverage area a little bit for these. Don't these you do it. Don't uh, you do it. Uh, I'm gonna get Don't do it, James. I'm gonna take Trevor Solani. On my board! He's on my board, I, I, but I, it wasn't the one I was talking about. Oh no, he's been high on my board. And then for my point guard, I'm gonna take Atlas Mylot from Ellsworth. Jake, <laughs> you're up at number eleven. Who'd you think I was gonna go with? Don't worry about it. It's not my pick yet. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Quit stroking your beard that isn't there. It's more of a scruff. It feels good. It actually feels <laughs> nice to rub. I'm going to take Taylor Bennett from Onakama. Gives you some size and yeah. athleticism up front. You guys each have four. I'm back up with picks 12 and 13. And I'm only going to have one left after this, so I really got to make these count. 
Ooh, boy. I'm feeling pretty good about my position at the moment, though. All right, I'm going to take Mancelona's Jaden Alfred. That's who I thought you were going with on the periphery, James. He's got some hops. I know that for sure. He does. He can throw down for a guard. I still feel like I kind of need that uh, that guy can shoot, who can shoot from the outside a little bit. And uh, I'm going to grab the second gladiator off the board and Keaton Peck. So many good players still left on the board. I know. I'm, we might have to go seven deep. No, we're just going six, Jake. <laughs> we make that mistake every time, and we're I just know. we're gonna cut it off. At well, six. well, yeah, we'll definitely throw out some extra names, so. Okay, Jake, number fourteen, your fifth. Oh, pick. it's me. It's oh, you. Oh Lord, it's you. I'm gonna take the all-state offensive lineman and big guy out of Johannesburg, Lewiston, Tyson Clays. All right. Yeah, lots of rebounds. Usually good for about twelve to fifteen points a game. So. Double-double uh, machine. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'll definitely take that, uh, put him into my center slot, and that give me a little bit of size. James, you get to finish off your team here with picks numbers 15 and 16. I'm going to add some more size to this team and put Jack Sherwin Damn in the it. middle. You know, I thought about Jack, and but didn't you didn't you say that game he had 16 points? That was his career high? He had 20. 20. 20. Against Marquette's D2 610 center. Well, I mean, that, that, that means that he played out of his mind, but otherwise... He's still he, a huge anchor defensively. Well, I mean, yeah, having like a 6'5 yeah. mountain in there is going to be a, a, a difference, of course. Of course. I was just, I just so what I was going to, that's what, that's what I, well, one area I thought I was leaning. James just took one of, Seven. I feel like four options off the board that I was, I can't decide between. I know, I'm having a hard time choosing my, uh, so this is going to be your guy off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you, pretty much be anybody. you you really can't go wrong here either because right. your, your team is pretty balanced positionally. So it's just either what do you think you need more of or just who's the who, who's the best player available in your eyes. I'm just going to go with best player available, I think, at this point. I'm going to take Preston Ball from Elk Rapids. Also on my list. After, after he went Briggs, I thought I was going to be safe and you have to forget about my the other Preston. All right, Jake, you get to finish off your team with number 17 and leave me the final pick of the draft. You know, defense is pretty big, but in high school basketball, really, offense is king. Uh, if you can, if you can put the ball in the hoop, it uh, pays dividends. So, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take uh, Forrest Harris, Chase Ingersoll. He's good for about 20 points a game, and uh, I mean, the competition's not as high, uh, but I, I definitely think he's has some skill. You've, you've seen his speed and his agility uh, on the football field and on the basketball court. Definitely a good six man to have. He was on my list. You know, that's you know that's a good value pick at this point. <laughs> and I just, I honestly don't know where to go with this. I mean, I've got, I've got. Do you need some need some suggestions? I've got two two guards, a combo guard. So I've you're got picking, my forwards. You're picking Mister Not Irrelevant. Because <laughs> there's a lot more relevant left here. Yeah, there is a lot of relevant left. Oh, man. Let me throw out some names for you. That's what oh, I'm I've saying. got plenty of names. I, I, can, I really, I, can... I don't need names. Shoot. Well, but just 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 for the the listeners and the basketball players who may be listening out there, I'm gonna throw some of my names that were on my list too. Obviously, I cannot can no longer choose. You can choose for them as you'd like. Will Newbold, Frankfurt. Is on my list? Max Vandra, Point City. Uh, Brady Hunter, Gaylord St. Mary. Uh, Mitch Lantman, Bel Air. Think that's a sleeper pick. Uh, definitely the best player out there on the Eagles. I mean, well, they got a couple of knee pops. Yeah, yeah, Connor and, Connor and Luke, definitely. 
Um, JJ Pop and Gavin Miller out in Leland. Uh, a couple, couple good guys there. Matt Boyer. Mancelona. Another Mancelona. Yep. yep. Gordy Lafontaine, another Elk Rapids guy. Yep. Um, we got the two Frankfurt guys. I, I said Will Nouveau. Yeah, Nouveau. And Jack Stefanski. Yeah. Stefanski. Uh, yeah. Ben Acton. Stefanski's on my list. Acton's on my list. Yep. There's even uh, Skyler. Drew, Drew Peterson. Yeah, Drew, Drew Peterson's Peterson, on my list. Yeah, Skyler Spangler. Andy Soma. Uh, Marcus Mikesell. I've still got Grant Papineau, uh, uh, Evan Solomon, Central's yep. Henry Goldpool. Uh-huh. Um, man, this is tough. Ethan Tornga from Ellsworth. If you need another, uh, another athletic forward. There's so much talent here, but the athleticism that I have seen from this kid, and I, I feel like... You can't go wrong with athleticism on the basketball floor. I think I'm going to go with Onekama's Ben Acton here with the last last pick in the draft. Well, that does it. My team is the best, as always. I don't know about that. I don't know about th- well, well, let's run through them real quick. You go first. All right. I've got Traverse City Central's Tobin Schwanke at the point, uh, Keaton Peck and Jaden Alfred at the guards, uh, for Mancelona and St. Francis, respectively. Jack Hawkins from Elk Rapids and Preston Briggs from Central at the forward spots. And Onekama's Ben Acton coming off the bench. Jake, you have Glenn Lakes, Xander Okerlund. you going to have him play the three? He'd be at the three. You got uh, St. Francis' Passano at the one. You've got Bear Lakes' Trey Gilbert at the two, probably. Uh, Maybe. Taylor Bennett. Maybe at the four. I mean, he's kind of a, he's a long, no, Taylor would be my long four. athletic guy. Tyson, Tyson Clay's at the Tyson five. Tyson Clay's at the five. And then Chase Ingersoll off the bench from Forest Area. And James, you've uh, you've got Atlas Martlett at your... Atlas Martlett at the point. At the point, yeah. Uh, Charbonneau probably at the two from Gaylord. No, he'd be a four. What do you be a four? He'd be a four. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah. Next to Reese. Well, Sherwin's Sherwin's definitely at the five. So Sherwin's at the five. Then that you, means yeah. Hazelton's at the three and Solani's at the two H- for men. Yeah, Hazelton and Solani could both play. You know, two at two or three, and then Preston Ball coming out the bench. I'll take, not, not I'll, a bad team. I'll take that. All right, guys. Sherwin to throw people around. No, I know. The I know. I know. All these all these kids are listening. Let's find an open gym somewhere and make this happen. Okay. Yeah. Right. We don't have to tell anybody about it. The MHSAA doesn't need to know. Got, Let's just go lace them up and see how it goes. I got a bookie. We can. Uh, and then the three of us will be the seventh the member of each of these three teams. Yeah. Or we could just all dress up in suits. I, and be don't the worry, guys. I won't play much. Oh, I, 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 we can be coaches. I'm cool with that. Like nice three piece play, suits. Player coaches. Three piece suits. But they got to be like uh, uh, what uh, Hamadou Diallo's jersey, where you can just go and just rip open into a <laughs> basketball jersey during halftime. That wraps up the second annual Prep Boys Basketball Fantasy Draft. It was a lot of fun. And uh, now it's time to get into that interview with Great North Alpines, Finn Husband. You guys are really going to enjoy it. He is the defending state champion in the slalom. It was great to have in studio. Let's go ahead and listen to that now. I'd like to welcome in Finn Husband. He's an Elk Rapids student and a skier for the Great North Alpine uh, team that just qualified for next week's state finals. He joins the Get Around Podcast studio for episode 69. Thanks a lot for coming in. We appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you inv- for inviting me, guys. So you had yourself a pretty good week last week. You, you sweep the regionals, slalom, 
giant slalom. You lead the boys to uh, the state finals, and on top of it, you guys beat Petoskey in the regional. And I know everybody wants to calm the hype on a regional championship because you know the regional's just about qualifying for state. Winning, everybody says, is just the icing on the cake. But to beat Petoskey, the team that's won the state championship eight years in a row, and beating you guys the last three years as runner-up, that had to feel pretty sweet, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. And knowing a lot of the guys there, I mean, kind of makes it a little bit sweeter. I'm really good friends with a lot of them, so being able to go out there and ski confidently with my team really kind of you know puts them into a spot where it's all the pressure's really kind of building for them. So, I mean, for us, we just have to sit back and kind of, you know, take it easy. But for them, I know that they're going to be working really hard this week to figure out how to, you know, beat us, which is, you know, a new position for us. Is it one of those things that you kind of feel like you kind of broke a dam? You guys realize it's possible to beat Petoskey, so you think now it might be your chance, you know, as a team to kind of take the next step? I honestly kind of think so. Um, I know for me... It's kind of like, just let me go out there and ski. For a lot of the guys on my team, it's kind of been the thing where it's Opatoskis. They're so deep. They have, you know, six guys that can all, you know, place top ten. But I think we realized that in GS, well, last week in GS, we, you know, all ten of our guys were in the top ten for both events. And that really kind of cemented it where it's like, wow, we can do this. We can go out there and we can ski well. And, you know, all we have to do is ski solid. And then we can push their guys out and we can take their spots. So I'm, I'm curious, I, I'm not a skier myself, uh, but you said you know those Petoskey guys. Is there much talk once you get to the top of the hill? Or, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of envisioning like trash talk on the basketball court, but what's it, what's it like on the mountain? Worse. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you get up there, and I mean, there's a lot of banter where it's like, oh, yeah, dude, I think your, your dins are low, which are like, you know, the things that basically hold in your skis, uh, your boots your skis. So it's, you know... <laughs> A lot of banter where it's the crap talk where it's like, oh, dude, you're going to blow out this time? You really want to get in their head. But at the same time, you know, they're all friends up there, so it's not like you really mean any of it. You want the guy to get down safe, but, you know, you really want to win. So, <laughs> no, it's just like basketball. I mean, it's a lot of mental game going going down a, a mountain. I mean, how fast do you think you're going on average? Because I saw your times were right around, what, like 47 seconds yeah, uh, for know. the GS last week? So. I mean, how fast do you think you're going on average? Well, for slalom, it's, you know, it depends, 20. But GS, you go out west and you're more like, I've been going like 66 for, you know, Super Gs and downhills, which are really good events, around 70 for that. But uh, for GS, more like 40. Yeah. It really depends on the course set, I guess, and how, you know, steep the pitch is. But, you know, you don't really think about it when you're there. You'll be going like... 30 and you'd be like dang I'm going really slow and then sometimes you come around and turn and you're like okay I have too much speed here I'm going to go right into the net it really just depends on the race how you know you feel about it I guess though what what percentage would you say is physical uh versus strategy of attacking the hill 80 20 80 20 uh so 80% is definitely just the mental game of how am I going to ski this where am I going to ski at you know and then the 20% is actually, you know, going out there and performing. You'll be looking ahead and you'll say, okay, there's a huge rut here. I'm going to hit this. How am I going to handle it? And then you go up to it and, you know, 20% is just acting on it. But uh, if you're not able to process what you're doing, you're just going to ski right out of the course. So 
80 20 for sure so do you just pick up all that from the couple of practice runs you get before the competition starts or yeah i mean a lot of the time you get out there and you know you take two runs to inspect you try to really analyze it and then you just like let me just go act on that now i had you know my dad always breaks it down he's like just go out there and ski you know you know what you do you practice you know sometimes twice a day just go out there and let your body do the work but at the same time it's the i know that there's going to be a spot here that you know you have to nail i go out to uh minnesota pretty often for my fist races which is a club that i'm uh for nubs knob fist races um so we go out there and we take you know an hour basically just analyzing what you're going to do and then you go out there and you kind of freak yourself out so sometimes it's the let me just go out inspect and then go run the course right away what you do in practice so overanalyzing is definitely a thing too though do you get some last second input from your forerunners usually before a race it depends uh a lot of the time forerunners are just some kids that or sometimes it's just an adult that goes down opens the wand and then finishes so it's not really reliable compared to uh first seed where i come down i guess and then i get right on the radio and call up Say, hey, there's a spot here that we didn't really inspect too well. You know, just make sure you're good on it. Um, other times when I go out to fist races, I have a coach that stands, you know, somewhere on the course, and usually it's right at one of the most difficult spots and gives me, you know, some information on what I need to handle, how I need to take it, if I need to be earlier than I expected, if I need to, you know, come in a little bit more direct. Mm-hmm. It all really depends on the course set, though. It's really... Skiing is a really interesting sport where it, it changes from race to race. It's never the same thing, you know. You're not, like, playing a, playing basketball where it's the same, like, kind of court. It's not, you know, there's a lot more variation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the way the state finals work, uh, if you are that one seed, you know, you'll, you'll ski first and then you'll ski very last. Um, I'm, would you rather be in that position where you're the first one to take the course in the morning and then kind of the last one, or would you rather be somewhere in the middle where it's not so beat up but by the end of the day? That's a good question because when you run it first, it depends on the day. Running first seed this year has been kind of scratchy where it's, you know, you go down and you got half an inch of pow on. Mm-hmm. So you go down and you're just cutting through and you're like the first tracks. So it's pretty slow running that. But, uh... Last track today, it's pretty marked up too. So running in between it is usually the best. You know, second seed, third seed, where there's enough slippers to get off all the soft stuff and all the chunked out stuff. Course maintenance, they do a great job, but it's just the top stuff that they keep taking off. So as soon as it gets down to the actual, we call it cat tracks, uh, where it's just kind of where the groomer's been going up and down, you can see where the tracks are on that. Really icy stuff, that's basically what we're looking for. When I uh, spoke to your coach, Ben Ferris, uh, for a state finals preview story that I did, he talked about how important not just your your runs have been for the team, but your leadership for this group, and you know that you've really met the expectations that were set forth before the year for your senior season. What goes into that? And you, you've talked about you know the information that coaches give you. What kind of information are you giving to the other guys on the team? And I guess how... How much are you able to help in that sense when you're providing that kind of information? Well, it goes back to the, like the 80% mental thing where if I go down, even if I don't, you know, nail my run and I radio up and I like give them a good solid course report and, you know, enforce it, I guess, then they get, you know, in the attitude of, oh, I can ski this. You know, 
so if I come down and I feel like I'm gonna, you know, be all pissy and money, then, you know, I radio up and they kind of feel the same thing. So what I do as, you know, first seed kind of, you know, ricochets and comes back down onto them domino effect wise. But uh, being the captain and, you know, what a lot of them would say, the better skier on the team, I guess. Um, for me, it's kind of difficult to explain how it's, you know, how difficult of a process it is for me to stay stable. Sometimes I just want to leave right after I'm done just because my run was like that. But, uh, you know, staying to support and really build that is really, you know, what it's there for. Just, you know, building the team for future is what I really want to think about it as. Yeah, because you guys have a lot of time in between runs, especially oh, yeah. at especially at regionals and state finals. is even worse, I think, than yeah. regular meets. Yeah. What? How do you fill that time? I mean, you get a one-minute run, and then you've got hour or so at least probably before your next run yeah i had a race this weekend actually where uh the inspection was supposed to be at 12 o'clock where we get to go down and check out the course it was going to be a dual panel slalom where it's an elimination bracket first two runs are to seed you and then after that you go you know break it down so all in all it's supposed to be 10 runs uh we got there at nine o'clock for training so we were there from nine to eleven just for training so we just you know get on snow feel what it's like underneath your foot and then we got delayed so the, it was supposed to be noon inspection we got pushed back to two o'clock inspection just because so we were out there for a long time and what you do is basically you don't want to get too tired you don't want to work yourself up too much so you know you want to go out feel the snow every so often get underneath your feet do some drills stay balanced head back inside relax a little bit but uh, for high school racing, it's the go out there, take your runs, cheer on your team, come inside, just get some food inside of you, try to get yourself in a good attitude. I like to listen to music usually just to zone me in. And then I head back outside, get on my other skis, because we go from GS to slalom for the guys, goes from slalom to GS for the girls. And because uh, the radius difference between the two is such a big thing that we uh, need to get back out there just to feel it. I take two runs, usually do some drills, and then get ready for inspection. Skiing seems to be the sport that teams up here uh, seem to be the most consistent as, as far as being teams that are right up there and yeah. being state title contenders of, of any sports. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Probably the amount of time we get to be on snow. Downstate, I mean, literally they have a garbage dump to ski on. <laughs> like, literally. That's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, nothing against that. I know a lot of people from down there that ski really well. One of my good friends who beat me, this, you know, I'm not going to say he's better than me, but... <laughs> of course not. He got you once. He got you once. <laughs> he got me. Uh, no, he's, he's a really good skier, Nick Rupert. Um, shout out to him, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but he's from down there, and uh, the reason I think he's so good is because he comes up here so often. The pitch is different. We get some, you know... We have tow ropes around here where you just get so many laps in that you can be going for two-hour practice and you'll get, you know, over 30 runs in sometimes. So amount of time on snow for sure. Now another really interesting thing that uh, Coach Ferris shared with me, I was trying to ask him a little bit about you to come up with some questions for today, and he talked about your seriousness about the sport and said that, I mean, your goals go as far as to 
someday, if and when you have kids, you plan on having a plane to get them from uh, mountain to mountain. T- tell, tell me about that and how how'd you come up with that kind of a goal? So, <laughs> uh, I have friends that have parents that can fly now. And I think that is the coolest thing to be able to fly your kids wherever. And so making a decision career-wise where it's like, oh, what do you want to be? Uh, my mom and dad always joke around. They're like, oh, he wants to be a doctor so he can fly his kids everywhere. <laughs> because right now in my situation, I have to drive, like, I don't know, going up to Lutzen takes like nine hours. Or no, going up to Lutzen takes like 11 hours. So it's like half a day just driving to Minnesota. And, uh, you know, if you could jump on a plane and fly up there, I'd rather be doing that. But, uh, yeah, so someday, you know, I want my kids to be the best. But uh, I want to be able to, you know, give them the ability to do that uh, by, you know, maximizing their time doing, you know, what I would want to be doing, I guess. You know, not sitting in a car all the time. Do some like Red Bull drop-ins on the top of the mountains out of your That's out of your plan. private jet. <laughs> yeah, use a parachute to get your way down. Exactly, exactly. Right from wingsuit, right on the snow. Yes, yes. So, in addition to uh, finding a career that would allow you to do that, are you also planning to continue skiing after high school at the same time? Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm talking to a few colleges, heading out uh, east actually, coming up here in March, I think for uh, Eastern High School Championships where they take the top 12 guys uh, out of the state of Michigan that are U.S. racers, which is like a club racing, and high school athletes. Um, Alex Nestle's in there and a lot of, you know, downstate Petoskey guys are in there. Um, The best of the best around Michigan. And we're all going to head out east to New Hampshire. Uh, And while I'm out there, I'm going to be talking to a few coaches, uh, talking to Colby Sawyer while I'm out there. I applied to like 10 colleges, so it's like, you know, all of them. That was like my one thing. They have to have a ski team, have to have a soccer team. But uh, Colby Sawyer, big one out there is who I'm going to be talking to. And just basically going to go out there, tour the campus, uh, check it out, make sure, you know, the coach is the guy that wants to, you know, have me on the team. Um, I had a phone call with him already. Super nice team. He was a super nice guy, too. Um, And hopefully I don't botch that. But, uh, you know, I go out there once. As long as I do well, I think I have a pretty good opportunity to be on that team. They're really competitive. Uh, And then otherwise, you know, St. Olaf out in Minnesota, they have a really good team. I'd be able to play soccer there too. Hopefully be able to play soccer at uh, Colby Sawyer also. Sent uh, sent my video to their coach. Still waiting to hear back from them. Hopefully I didn't suck too much. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, main goal is to be able to ski in college, yeah. So, you know, when people think of other sports, you've got, you know, Alabama, that's the face of college football, Duke, that's the face of college basketball. Who's the face of college skiing? Boulder. I mean, like, their guys, I don't even know if one of them isn't on a national team. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. You go out to, you know, you look at the collegiate level, anything that's NCAA. There's NCAA, then there's NSCSA, the NCAA, and... They are the top dogs. As soon as you, you know, if you're able to ski there, you're skiing against guys that don't know how to speak English. You're, you know, going out there. Half of them are Norwegians. Uh, There's a big joke. You know, you go out east and it's the Norwegian pipeline where, you know, they just send athletes over here. 
they you know go to school here, get free education, or they don't get free education, but they do from their government, who pays for them to go to school here, because it's cheaper for them to go to school and get coached here, and then ship them back over there to uh, ski in the World Cup races. <laughs> so you know you go to college and you're skiing against World Cup racers, so that's pretty legit. Um, main goal would be to get there. Really difficult to get there, but you know I'm just gonna keep pushing it. I mean, how far do you want to push your skiing career then? I mean, there's so many avenues after college and different ways to do things. Like you said, World Cup, there's just the circuits and, I mean, Olympics. Well, what, what, are your, what are your absolute goals in the sport of skiing? Being able to ski at college is pretty much as far as I'm looking right now. Uh, just because, you know, that's next thing up. Um, looking past that would be really difficult because I didn't go to an academy. Um, which is the big thing, you know, going out to an academy, being able to race against other World Cup racers and everything would be, you know, awesome. I have a friend that did that, loving life out at uh, GVSU, GMVS, GMVS, yeah, Green Mountain Valley State, Green Mountain Valley School. Uh, and he's loving that out there. Uh, just got an injury, but uh, he's going to bounce back and have a good time. I mean, schools really look at that as one of their top lists. Are you? Did you go to an academy? And then, are you good? So, uh, <laughs> going to high school instead of an academy, kind of, you know, little tipping point for a lot of them because, you know, you're not exposed as much. Um, one of the main questions that I got asked when I did an interview with the Colby Sawyer coach was, you know, is there competition there? Because I know you don't go to an academy. And he's like, I didn't go to an academy, so I know that you can still have game, but as long as you have competition. And I said, yeah, there's some competition, but I have to travel, you know. You know, least I travel is like nine hours to go to something. But, uh, yeah, big step is college. You brought up the, the soccer thing. Um, played soccer for, El for Elk Rapids. I'm curious as to, I mean, do you, you get as close with your teammates that are from other schools on the ski team as you do with the guys you play soccer with at Elk Rapids and see every day? I would say so. Right now I'm able to ski with five out of the six guys on my ski team with my club team. So I see them at least, you know, once a day. Uh, whereas, you know, with soccer I see them, you know, a lot more than that, I guess, because, you know, I see them at school too. But, uh being able to be on a co-op team prevents, you know, it. sometimes you get those challenges where it's like, oh, do I really want to cheer on St. Francis? Like, there's a basketball game tonight. Am I going to go on and cheer on, you know, St. Francis there compared to my school? Hmm, I don't know. But uh, at the same time, it's everyone's a good group of guys. You know, I love them all. Uh, Andrew Bliss, Aiden Ferris, both go to St. Francis. They both rip, though, so, I mean, I can't really give them too much crap for anything. <laughs> uh, no, they're all a great group of guys, so I love them all. So I'm going to jump in here so we don't end on this one, but I did want to ask you, what's what's the worst fall you ever had on the mountain? Ooh, worst fall. <laughs> Jeez. So I'll talk about my friend's fall first because that was pretty crazy. He uh, Big thing now is... You know, your edges are so sharp that you will slice yourself open. So uh, my friend came down and uh, fell while doing, I think it was GS. His ski rattled and kind of cut his leg. Cut his leg so severely that his shin bone was showing. Holy smokes. He sent us a picture in a group chat. Oh, my God. Um, so that was crazy. 
I have it pulled up. <laughs> that that would have been me if Oh, jeez. Oh. Damn. Yeah. It's okay, Audible viewers. You don't want to see this yeah, anyway. You know, yeah. Oh, my That's gosh. That's the prep for surgery. That's the uh, pre. You got really lucky. Oh, uh, my gosh. <sighs> and that white piece is the Yikes. Wow. Yikes. So uh, he's out for a while. But uh, <laughs> it's an, an understatement. Of, yeah, an extended period of time. Yeah, but for me, I've been pretty lucky. Uh, biggest fall I've had, I uh, broke my finger. I mean, big thing is being able to fall and, like, catch yourself on your hand. I uh, broke my finger. I'm pretty sure I, like, sprained my thumb, too. Uh, but nothing too serious. No leg injuries that are, like, severe. Uh, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, we can tell. But, yeah, a big thing now is buying, you know, cut-proof pants, uh, Kevlar pants, um, just around, no you know, wow. parts where arteries are really close. His friend died on the table, and they brought him back because he cut, you know. His femoral artery. Exactly. Wow. You know, being able to, we have new rules, basically, with uh, U.S. racing and fist racing where there's a pack at the top of the hill. As soon as something happens, it comes right down, and you get checked out. Uh, just in case someone does get cut, you know, you got like minutes before they're gone. So, yeah, it's a very big thing. Safety is huge in ski racing. We've got new helmets, new rules. I'm sure that, you know, in a few years, they're going to make all the race suits Kevlar infused mandatory. Wow. I know one of the questions that skiers always get that I'm going to avoid saying or asking, which is whether you like GS or slalom better. So, uh, from a training perspective, what about each discipline stands out, and how hard is it to be equally good at both? Yeah, it's like almost impossible to be equally good. Uh, I would definitely say that I'm a better slalom skier, just because my reaction time is a little bit more, more. I don't want to say faster, but it's like it's like fast switch muscle muscles, or it's a little bit of fast switch muscles, but it's more powerful. Um, I'm able to like punch and then break off of that ski onto the next one. Uh, I have my friend who beat me this weekend, but you know that didn't happen. Uh, he's really a strong GS skier because he's able to have patience coming into the turn. Uh, big thing is where you pressure your turn and how you release it. Uh, so being either patient enough to come in, release, or you know having the <laughs> not having patience like me. Where you come in, hit it, and then release and get over. Uh, both of them very difficult to conquer, but once you you know start understanding it, you know breaking down each step is way easier. I would say that the biggest challenge is just finding the right gear. I have to transfer from high school skis, which is I'm gonna this is gonna be really confusing, but there's. <laughs> So there's different radiuses that a ski is like a flexibility of the ski, basically. It judges the flexibility of the ski. Uh, my high school skis are 25-meter radiuses, and then my GS skis are 30-meter radiuses, which is the fist legal requirement. Um, a, lot of ski, a lot of kids will ski on 17-meter radiuses in high school. There's no real rules in high school, so 17-meter uh, radius is pretty you know, soft. You don't get a lot of power out of it, but being able to make the change between... A 25 to 30 is a really difficult thing going back and forth just because of ski. I go from a 185 centimeter ski to a 193, so the length difference even. 
it's just hard to, you know, understand, I guess, how your ski is going to react unless you ski on it enough. Well, for uh, our loyal Audible viewers, you know what the Freaky Fast Five is, just five rapid-fire questions for our guest. If not, that's exactly what it is. Right. We've each got a few things prepared. I think we're going to let Jake lead it yeah, off. So it might be more yeah. than five. No, we're, we're going to keep it to five. I think okay. Jake's got three, and James and I each I, I, have one. I was going to ask so. him about his worst fall, but we'll keep it away from there. I know a lot of runners say that they put on kind of like the, the zone or anything like that. Do you listen? Do you, do you sing music in your head? What, what goes on in your head when you're going down a mountain, or is it more like, hey, like, let's not fall? Everything. Yeah. Everything <laughs> goes through my head to like, oh, there's a guy right there taking a picture. Make sure I get those good angs. <laughs> you know, is my hand close enough to the ground? Do I look good right now? To like, oh, there's my coach. Make sure I actually look and do well. Uh, so not really a melody, but more of the, your mind is just trying to keep up with what you're doing. Uh, being in the zone where you're able to look ahead, uh, my coaches are always like, oh, look three gates ahead. And then I have a coach that's like, dude, that's not even possible for me. I look at the gate that I'm at, and I'm like, oh, I'm already too late to look at that gate. <laughs> um, no, but trying to look ahead for sure when you're in the course is uh, one of the main things. And people are always like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing that you're able to see what's outside of the course. And none of those people are like, dude, you are like a psycho for trying to look. You're just all, all the way over here. Yeah, exactly. Going down the mountain this way. Oh, there's a girl. Oh, good angles. Yeah, yeah. make sure I look good right now. Are my eyebrows, geez. Uh, no, it's the basically just trying to stay focused is a really hard thing. Um, getting in the zone before is basically all you can do, and then uh -huh. expect your body to react well when you're there. Okay, so obviously you spend a lot of time on the mountain in the wintertime, but if there's something else in the winter you would do if you were limited to not being able to ski, what's your favorite activity? Ooh, uh, favorite activity if I'm not skiing? Bowling. Bowling? All right. Okay. What's your best game as a quick follow-up? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I mean, no, I go up to Petoskey, and I uh, there's nothing to do up there, really, besides eat pizza, bowl, and go in the hot tub. And I don't think hot tubs are really much of an activity. But, uh, no, bowling is what we do when we get up there, laser tag and bowling. Okay, so this is just a weird random question. I thought of it on the way when I was driving on here. Have you ever seen Attack of the Later Hosen Zombies? No. Oh, you should. I should? It's set in a ski lodge, Ooh. like in Bavaria, I believe, okay. and when a zombie apocalypse happens, and so like these skiers and snowboarders are fighting off a massive army of zombies. That could be like our answer to our It's horrible. Theory. It's horrible, yet oddly enjoyable. What's the time period? Uh, it was only from a couple years ago. Oh, okay. it's when it was made. I was gonna say yeah. if there's like if it's way old, then there'd be like using skis without edges, basically. No, no, no. The skis are used as weapons quite a lot. Okay, skis. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, that's the main move right there. <laughs> All right, I was gonna ask, what's more difficult uh, to be good at, soccer or skiing? You know, I was talking to my mom about this. Um, skiing, because soccer, you have you know ninety minutes to make a mistake and fix it. Skiing, you got in, you know, here, you got like a minute max. You make a mistake, you're done. Um, technically, you have to be perfect. If you wanna win, you have to technically be perfect. That's not just, you know, in high school racing, but beyond that, if you make a mistake and you try to 
counter it to fix it, you might do more, you know, damage to your run. So working around that, trying to, you know, be technically perfect is sometimes the most difficult thing because, you know, you want to go out there and go 100%. But at regionals, you know, I didn't go 100%. I just, you know, went 80% and, you know, came up with the result. But trying to make your run count for what it is sometimes is what you want to do. Um, going 100% in practice, always important, always, you know, good to push yourself. But when it comes down to it, important races where you need to finish for your team even, you know, you need to go that 80% just to come across the line. Um, and in soccer, you can go 100% the entire time because you have the ability to, oh, I got beat by my man. I'm going to go 110% to get back around him and, you know, work from there. Um, skiing, you can't come back from anything that's too severe. So staying perfect is pretty much you know, what skiing's all about. Now, everybody talks about the, you know, the people they look up to and, you know, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, you know, being a skier most of your life, I'm assuming, um, who have you looked up to and, and when did you kind of find out, like, hey, this is, this is something I'm good at? Who have I looked up to? Locally? Mm, probably, the, you know, the guys around here that actually have been, like, winning stuff. So, like, Mitch Makula, really, you know, awesome guy, really good mentor. Uh, but beyond that, Michaela Schifrin, because she's a babe. But uh, <laughs> uh, she's like, you know, my coach are always like, oh, yeah, Marcel Hirscher and Henrik Gustafsson, they rip. But then they're like, at the same time, it's like, but their form is so weird. You don't want to be skiing like that. Michaela Schifrin, who, you know, is going to be the best in the world. She's already, you know, to me, like the best in the world. But, um She's going to be breaking records for years to come, and her form is technically perfect. It's, you know, the dream skiing that everyone wants to have. And she's, you know, out here just ripping it up, you know, killing people, basically. Um, and for, you know, a guy, you know, you might expect, oh, yeah, look at, the, you know, the best guy in the world right now. That's Marcel Hirscher. But, uh... Michaela Schifrin is technically what everyone wants to be right now. So I would say Michaela Schifrin. You're out on the mountain a lot. Do you ever, do you ever take off some sick jumps? I mean, you gotta, we got to be worried about injuries so you're not hurting your knees or nothing. But, I mean, you, there's got to be some sort of temptation where you want to get in the air at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think every good ski racer, because I don't want to, like, use a word that's dead, but they all, have, like, had swag when they were... Uh, Everyone was a parky at some time. Then you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I can make the you know, switch to ski racing. I guess it's going to be fine when you're, like, six. But, uh, you know, you still go back into the park, hit the half pipe sometimes, but uh, the adrenaline rush is still there. My friend was talking how he saw Ted Liggety descending threes off huge kickers and stuff, and he was like, dude, I can't believe he was doing that. And I was like, dude, he goes, like, 120 down, you know, a hill. It's like, you know, walk in the park for yeah, him. Whatever like, he wants to do. 360, oh gosh. But, uh, yeah, no, sending off stuff, just having fun is always really important, yeah. Awesome. Finn, appreciate you coming in. It's been a great conversation, and good luck at the finals. Hey, thank you guys. Really appreciate it.
Another big thank you to Great North Alpine and Elk Rapids athlete Finn Husband for joining us in the Get Around Podcast studio. That conversation brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. I'm going skiing for the second time this weekend. I don't know why I didn't ask him for any tips. If there's anybody I probably should have asked for tips, it probably should have been Finn. Well, we have his cell phone number now. I'm not, I'm not just going to call him and be like, hey, man, why don't you help me? I could, do, I could get somebody at, a, at the resort or whatever to teach me, but we had him and didn't ask. Missed right. opportunity, man. Well, you know who you know who did you know who didn't miss their opportunity. These three athletes that we have to put up for the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan. Jake, I'm going to throw it to you first. Yeah, we're, I just as I was just saying, somebody who could have taught me a lot. I think he probably deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. I'm actually putting up Finn Husband, our guest, on episode number 69 of the Get Around. Uh, he just won. Uh, dual regional champ, individual regional championships in the slalom and the giant slalom. I don't even know. If and we, led the team to a regional yeah, championship. Yeah, and helped them beat Petoskey. So uh, that was the first time he's ever done it. They've done it, um, they've, you know, as Great North Alpine, correct? Or, they've never beaten Petoskey, Exactly. Correct. First time they have ever beat Petoskey. So pretty big deal, taking that entire team uh, out to the state finals now. So Finn Husband, guest and possible Hall of Fame member. James, I think you've got a really solid candidate here. I'll let you go second before I throw in. Here we've got uh, Reagan Thor from Frankfurt. Uh, she scored 34 points, 28 of those in the second half in overtime of a 58-52 to 52 overtime win over Benzie Central. She also had six rebounds, or five rebounds and six steals in that game. That is big time. That's a turn-up right there. That's a you know rivalry game, Frankfurt-Benzie. You know, Benzie was sitting third there in the Northwest Conference. Up by like ten or twelve up points. Double digits. Talk about talk that, about that's Michael's out. That's Michael's secret stuff at halftime type of stuff. Six points before the half, and then we're not losing this game. And then I'm gonna put up uh, I'm gonna put up a grappler, Traverse City St. Francis Andy Simaz. At 152 pounds, a senior gladiator qualified for the state finals individually he won the regional championship and we have some conflicting reports on this the call that i received on uh saturday uh was that andy pinned all three of his opponents in route to the championship and someone later called in to correct and say that the championship match was not a pin but rather an injury default uh but in either case he was the champ, the regional champ. He's going to state finals. Still counts as a win. Still counts as a win. Yeah, so a win is a win is a win is a win is a win. Let's vote. I'm not going first this time. All right, I'll go first. Uh, okay. I'll go first. And uh, partly because I have a little backstory on this, I'm going to vote for Frankfurt's Rag and Thor here and uh, cast my vote there. So, James, you could. Uh, See, I'm tempted to vote for the wrestler just because, you know, I was a wrestler in high school. But I think what, what Finn Husband has done all this season and what he did at regionals is, is pretty dang impressive. I mean, Simaz has got a pretty good story, too. If you look in the MHSA wrestling books, that Simaz family is all over in there. He's got a couple of cousins, I think it is, that are, uh, that are wrestlers down in Allegan that are among the most winningest wrestlers in the Michigan State history. And then his dad is the coach and was a pretty good wrestler himself <laughs> back in the day. But, so I'm gonna go, but I'm going to go with Finn. I mean, it's just 
That's so are you going to make this a round robin where we all pick each other? I don't think that's ever happened before in the history of the Get Around Hall of Fame. No, I'm, I'm not going to uh, pick Andy. I. Uh, well, what would happen if we did that? Well, no, you wouldn't have to pick Andy. He just picked Andy. No, he didn't. He just picked Finn. I picked Finn. Oh, yeah, you're right. I talked about My Andy mistake. a lot. You, yeah, you talked. You, picked, you totally threw me off. Finn. It was one of those deals on the TV where they the guy starts talking about who's, who the winner is. or they put, to, And, and they put up. the graphic up, and then they have to pull it back down because... You know, you, bar- you buried the lead there, James. You got fooled. Okay, who are you picking? I'm going to go with Finn as well. All right. Um, yeah, du- dual regional championships. Won the state championship last year. Is Looking to defend yeah, that staring title. staring down the barrel of hopefully another one. Uh, so I think, yeah, beating Potosi for the first time, leading uh, the motley crew of the greater North Alpine uh, to beat Potosi and on to the state finals, pretty big deal. And, hey, they... I think he might be able to go into the Hall of Fame just off the interview we had with him today. So that's uh, true. Yeah, you know, we. Could, I, I think. I think. It's no a doubt, good he's one. in the he's in the get around interview Hall of Fame. Well, that might be a new club. <laughs> <laughs> he might have just started it. <laughs> but uh, no, we. Uh, no, we can't you. do that because that one might become more exclusive than what's already <laughs> the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan. The second that, most exclusive. That's where that that's Michigan. that's when we have like a secret. But if there's only one member in it, that's when we have a secret door that no, goes that goes behind you where we push one of the tiles in the wall and then it opens up. You know, the most exclusive, exclusive inside of the exclusive club in Northern Michigan. It's the VIP velvet ropes area of the most exclusive club. If there was in a Northern secret Michigan. door there. They go to the, the old photo room. <laughs> we could actually make that happen. That'd be like a nobody uses that. Thing. It's an empty space, pretty much. Well, congratulations, Finn. It was wonderful to have you in studio, and now you are part of the most exclusive club in northern Michigan as a member of the Get Around Hall of Fame. That Hall of Fame brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. Which brings us to the trifecta, boys, and... As I mentioned at the top, it's not our standard version uh, because we're sort of recapping last week's trifecta when we did another draft. We looked at the the pool of all-stars of Team LeBron and Team Giannis and split those into three teams, uh, made our picks. And uh, as I said, uh, uh, one of our Audible viewers suggested that we revisit that and talk about perhaps whose choices had the best games. And uh, we can go over that just for a couple minutes now. We're... We're short on time. Uh, but see, we do listen. We do. We do listen. All right, so this is, uh, this is very basic arithmetic, uh, but I wanted to hit you guys with the number here uh, real quick. Just looking at the points scored by our individuals uh, in the All-Star game, there was a huge, huge gap. Huge Yes. Uh, my selections scored 144 points in Sunday night's All-Star game, while Jake's, Jake may have had the MVP and Kevin Durant, but he, his team only scored 85 total points, and James' team scored a total of 82 points. Yeah, one of my guys didn't play, though. Right. I was just going to say, you, uh, you seeded second place to Jake by drafting a guy who wasn't going to play due to injury. That's fine. I'll take Oladipo. I, I don't know how many how many good ways if there are any good ways to truly analyze here, but uh, that number just really kind of jumps off the board. And since the All Star Game is all about offense anyway, I just figured that points was the best way to look at it. 
to and, to an extent. Yeah, I'd prefer it was points when somebody is playing defense. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but then nobody would have any points. I I, I will admit. I had the winning I, team captain. I had the MVP. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about winners, I, I got a team full of winners. I don't know. You take you take the MVP off your team, and your team is awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you scored 50 outside your MVP, which I may argue uh, should have gone to the captain of the losing team. Kevin, 30, Argue all you Ke- want. Kevin Durant, 31 and 7 boards. Giannis, who was the number one overall pick in our draft, 38 points, 11 boards, 5 assists, including that ridiculous alley-oop dunk off the bounce pass from Steph Curry that just blew my mind. Uh, I know you haven't seen it yet, Jake, but you'll have to take a look at it. It was it was pretty exciting. I don't know what it was about my team in the All Star format, but they just kind of balled out. Well, that's, they're they're the young guys with the who who got something to prove. Who got, Are they? I've got Harden with twelve. I wouldn't call him a young guy. Well, with he's he's got prove. he's got everything. He, yeah, he's got everything in the world to prove. He plays like that every day. Kawhi Leonard with nineteen. Yeah. Dame Lillard with eighteen. Carl Anthony Towns, there's a young guy with 20. Giannis with 38. Paul George with 20. Chris Middleton with 20. Something to prove. Gotta love that. No, guess how many championships you got on your roster? Mm, Pretty sure zero. Zero. Guess how many are mine? It's made of winners. You got what LeBron, it? I got KD. Come on, winners. Mm. Well, KD had to join an all star team to win one, so. Winners. <laughs> This was about the all-star game, Jake, not careers. Oh, well, I like my team. I did have the only player on Team Giannis that actually blocked a shot. (laughs) Who was that? Embiid. Of course it was. Of course it was. Well, before I wrap up this episode, I did want to uh, give a shout-out to Fran, and I apologize if I am mispronouncing this, Fran Jerushuba, uh, who interacted with us on Facebook this uh, past week on the Get Around Podcast, and uh, you have been selected as the winner of two free Jimmy John sandwiches, so we'll be reaching out to you uh, to try to get those out in the mail. Thanks for that, and uh, same goes for all of you listening. Jiff us, comment, like, sad crying face for whatever reason. Or gif us. Gif uh, Yeah. Did I not say that? You said jiff. Oh, okay, that works too. (laughs) Share. Gif is a type of peanut butter. We just... You know, give us a call on the phone if you really want to. That's a, that, that, that honestly probably the least preferred mode. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not here that much. Well, we're here enough, but still the least preferred. In any case, we want to know that you're listening. We're glad to be doing this show and uh, glad you're out there. So thank you. Listen again. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at BA Sports Writer, James at James Cook 14, and Jake at Jake at Nip. Next week's episode, we hope to have uh, Charlevoix's star girls basketball player at least stuck on the podcast. We'll also do our boys and girls eliminator pool uh, for the upcoming postseason. So stay tuned for next week's episode. Episode 70. That's when we're officially like old citizens. 65, these people are still in denial. 70 is when you know you're. Just but we're like, not retiring at 70. No, we're just getting started. Thanks for listening to episode 69 of the Get Around Podcast. Have a good one.